The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, I am the true, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired man who is not a shepherd and whose sheep are not his own sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf catches and scatters them. This is because he works for pay and has no concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know mine and mine know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I will lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have power to lay it down and power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The fourth Sunday of Easter, which is, which is what we're on, is always uh, the Good Shepherd Sunday. And it's Good Shepherd Sunday because out of the, the Gospels that are always read, the Gospel is always, from a, uh, is always talking about Jesus, is one of the times in which Jesus talks about himself as the Good Shepherd. And so every single fourth Sunday of Easter, uh, we get to hear about Jesus' explanation of himself as a Good Shepherd. In the Gospel of John today, the phrase that really sticks out to me in his kind of explanation of the Good Shepherd, I mean, there's so much here. There's so much good stuff uh, within all of Scripture and especially here. Uh, but the line that really sticks out to me is that no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own. Now, on first glance, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. In hindsight, we can kind of see it. But it's a very powerful statement, what he's saying right there. And on, the, and on the surface, it doesn't quite fit sometimes with what we uh, know that happened to Jesus, right? No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own. Well, you know, right, we've just been through land, and hopefully we got an opportunity to pray the Stations of the Cross. They're on, pa- on Good Friday Um, On Passion Sunday, we hear the Passion narrative. We hear again how Jesus dies. And it seems as though it's against his will, right? He gets arrested, scourged, crucified, and killed, right? Well, that's not Jesus laying down his... That's taken from him, right? Um, And to a certain extent, if we look on the surface, we look at the way in which life was taken from him. But we hear, we hear that his life is not taken from him. Well, how? In what way? It seems as though he had no control over it, except for he did. He had control over what his response was. And of course, he, him being God, he could have gotten out of it completely, right? But yet he chose to lay his life down. And especially one of the most important aspects of what he did in the midst of the cross and the crucifixion was that he loved, that he redeemed it all. 
Now, this is one of the most important things within Christianity that I think we learned from Jesus is that Jesus came to save. Absolutely. But sometimes we forget about how much he also taught us how to live ourselves in the life that he lived. He could have saved us many different ways, but yet he saved us in this way, not to just save us, but also teach us how to live. And he teaches us how to lay down our life as well. And so that no one may take our life from it, but yet we lay it down freely. We hear also in the second reading that we are children of God. And I think this is one of the ways in which we learn from, again, Jesus to live as children of God is that we are like him. Okay, So all that's set up to be able to say, what do we learn from this situation of specifically the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and him laying down his life? Well, what we take is that the worst, the, the worst moment in human history, which could have been only the worst moment in history, the moment when God himself, who became man to, to walk among us, to show us, to show us and teach us who God the Father is, we kill right? That's the worst moment in history. Becomes through Jesus laying down his life through love, becomes the greatest moment in human history. Now that is what I call the Christian paradox, right? The Christian paradox, uh, there's so many within Christianity, but this is especially one where the worst moment in human history becomes the best. How? It's because Jesus's, the worst moment in human history was not just the life taken from Jesus, but that Jesus laid it down. He redeemed his death by unifying it and making it salvific, redeeming it, by uniting it with love. And we ourselves have the opportunity in every single moment of our life to live as children of God, to live as he did and redeem every single moment. There is not a single moment in our life that is irredeemable. There's not a single thing in our life that can happen to us that is useless or meaningless, even 14 days of Ram. (laughs) Even all of the difficulties and struggles of COVID and all these other things don't have to be meaningless. They can all be redeemed with love. One of the uh, people that have taught me a huge amount about this is Father Walter Chiswick. Father Walter Chiswick has passed away now, uh, but he wrote a book about his experience. Um, and he's one of the most, uh, one of the most influential uh, people for me by just reading his book and his own spiritual experiences. He wrote a book about his experience called God with God in Russia, and then also He Leadeth Me, which is kind of more spiritual experience, him kind of talking about it. And within it, we're able to see the way in which God is able to redeem even the worst situations. Father Walter Chiswick uh, was just a little bit of backstory. Uh, was born in 1904 in Philadelphia, a Polish immigrant. 
his parents were Polish immigrants, and, and he himself was a little bit of a little, little bit of little bit rough around the edges when he was growing up. He was kind of known to be the the leader of the gang, kind of in the local area. And at one point, his dad dragged him to the sheriff and said, I don't know what to do with this. We need to get him off to reform school or something because I don't know what to do with him. Well, through God's grace and other things, through the constant probably prayers of his mother, uh, he eventually uh, kind of changed his life a little bit and actually entered seminary uh, relatively low and so uh, re- relatively young after that. And so he was actually studying to be a Jesuit and heard a call from, from the Pope who was asking for seminarians to consider becoming missionaries to Russia. And he volunteered for that. He went to Rome, studied Russian, uh, and wanted to become a missionary for Russia. Now, a little bit of context of what was happening at that point. Pope, the Pope at the time asked for missionaries to Russia because Russia, uh, after the Bolshevik Revolution, uh, became communist and was persecuting all religions, especially Christianity. And so they weren't being, Christ, Christians weren't being ministered to in Russia. And so the Pope was asking for missionaries to risk their life, to be a good shepherd, to lay down their life to minister in Russia. Well, and as they kind of snuck into Russia and were able to minister to a certain degree. Well, when he finally got ordained, uh, the border was completely closed. And so he wasn't able to do his mission and was kind of frustrated. And so he actually went to Poland and he kind of knew some Polish and was able to minister to a certain degree, uh, but it wasn't what he was, you know, what he had worked for. Finally, within a year after uh, he was there, World War II started and Germany uh, invaded Poland from one side and Russia from the other. And so his parish was actually taken over by Russians and they shut it down and he wasn't able to minister and they, they were afraid for his life. And many priests left at that point. He stuck around and did what he could. And then he got a great idea. He said, well, a whole bunch of his parishioners were going into Russia uh, to work in, in labor camps um, for Russia. And so he hopped a train and just was one of the laborers and was able to minister a little bit in Russia to some of the Polish people who were working there, uh, just a little bit, right? He was mainly a laborer. But after a year of that, you know, doing the Lord's work, right? It should be blessed and fruitful. He experienced very little fruit. And within a year, the KGB uh, caught him and threw him in five years of solitary confinement. Um, Now, again, like this is, you know, a priest trying to do God's work and thrown into prison. And all of a sudden, everything that he was trying to do, taken away from him. And you say, well, how, how is that good? How could anything good come out of that? Well, as Father Walter Chiswick talks about it, some of the most formative times of his life where he was able to realize how little he relied on God. <laughs> In the midst of it, he was like, no, I rely on God completely. And throughout those five years, he was able to realize, oh, no, I don't. <laughs> and be able to be purified as a piece of coal underneath pressure becomes a diamond. We ourselves also in our Christian life need to be purified as gold is purified over time in the midst of suffering as we're purified in often times of struggle and difficulty. And God is so desirous of us not to just get through life, but to be redeemed and to be holy, right? To be as perfect as he is. Well, after those five years of solitary confinement, his time was not up and he spent, was spent to 15 years in Siberia, in the Gulag, uh, shoveling coal and uh, working for most of the day. Now, it's beautiful 
is that, again, he wasn't able to act as a priest. If they found him out acting, doing anything as a priest, he would have been probably put to death. Um, But he still ministered a little bit. One of the beautiful things about the the great desire for God he had in the midst of it all, uh, which is a great uh, inspiration for me, is that uh, at the time, uh, now we only have to fast for receiving the Eucharist one hour before, which really isn't that difficult, especially for, for weekend Mass, because often it takes about an hour, right? Especially if it's at the very end of Mass, right? Uh, so we don't really have to fast that much before Mass. But uh, before Vatican II, you actually had to fast before, for midnight the night before. And Father Walter Chiswick in the Gulag, in, in the different work parties, didn't have a time to celebrate Mass until the evening. And so he would take one little breadcrumb and one little drop of raisin wine that was smuggled into the camp for him, and he would celebrate Mass on the bunk, maybe with a few other people and distribute communion, but all those people who received communion that day, including himself, weren't able to eat or even drink water up until that point. Um, And they offered that sacrifice. They gave away their rations because they would rather receive the Eucharist than receive a little bit of bread and rations. And it's just beautiful in the way in which God purified. Now, after that, he still wasn't free. He was under constant surveillance and was forced to work kind of as a, as a car mechanic for a while. And then finally, after about 10 years of that, uh, trying to do, again, a little bit of ministry, he was actually traded with the U.S. for uh, Russian spies and able to come back to the United States and spent about 20 years as a retreat director for the Jesuits. All that to be said, you could look at his life and you could say, Wow, look, everything that he was trying to do, right? It was a complete failure from the very beginning. He never got to really minister in Russia. All the work that he did, it was all for naught. But when he writes about it, when he talks about it, when he's able to realize the ways in which God worked in his life, he did God, he redeemed it with God by uniting it with love for God. And he has changed countless lives because of the way in which God was purified, not in the way that he wanted or he expected, but in the way that God wanted. And I think about that's true in our own life, that we have an opportunity not to lay down our life or to redeem it in the way that we want to, right? Just because we unite it to Jesus Christ doesn't mean that we're going to be successful in everything that we want to do, or even at times successful in things that we think that God wants us to do. But what it does mean is that God will redeem it. He will use it, sometimes to purify us, sometimes to do a greater good that we cannot see. I want you to know, as Christian people, as children of God, that we have an opportunity to take every single moment in our life and make it filled with purpose and meaning if we unite it to Jesus Christ and unite it in love. Do not let your life or struggles or difficulties uh, to be a source of frustration in the sense that brings despair or anger or hatred or resentment, but instead allow it all to purify us. Now, I'm, of course, preaching to the choir, right? Uh, During COVID has not been my happiest time in my life, right? Uh, In the struggles of difficulties of trying to get mass to happen and all those other things. But I know, and I constantly have to return back to prayer and know that God is working something in our life. And so my, my job is not to correct everything in the world, not even to, to, to correct everything in my life uh, completely, 
but to do the best that I can and to unite it to Christ and to see the ways in which God is working. So we do that here in this Mass, and I, I so encourage you to bring everything that you can to this altar, to lay down your life. Don't let it be taken from you by the, by the meaninglessness of this world, but instead redeem it all with Christ's sacrifice here on this altar that he wants to give us. He gives us this unbelievable gift that everything in our life can have purpose and meaning.